I want to take a minute to tell everyone about the app that helps make this show possible. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Most importantly, it's free. I always got to lead with that. If you're new to podcasting and feel a little intimidated by the whole process, Anchor doesn't charge you a dime to set up an account, so it's a great app to use while you get your feet wet. You also don't have to be an audio engineer to produce your own show. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone, tablet, or computer. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in your bedroom, fit into your closet if you can, go into a garage. You don't always have to have a fancy studio to uh, make a podcast happen. You really just need something you're passionate about and a chance to click record. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Music, Spreaker, Overcast, and many other platforms. You don't have to go log into each account and submit an RSS feed. Anchor takes care of that for you. Not only is Anchor free, but you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've been doing this show for 10 months and I've already been able to quit full time at my day job and just work part time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one easy to use place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Remember, that's Anchor, 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 like from a boat. I'm back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Cake and Conversation. I'm your host, as always, Jay Vite, and I'm unbelievably excited to be back with my 16th episode. Unlike other podcasts, I don't plan on using the seasons structure type for my show. This isn't episode one of season two. This is episode 16. I'm trying to keep these things going and going and going. If you'd like to have a voice message added to a future episode, like you've heard previously before, click the link on the show page to send me a message, and maybe I'll use it on a future episode. Also, if you'd like to be entered for a chance to win a monthly Visa gift card, click the support the show link on the show page. I don't do this for money, but all donations are used to help me improve this show, such as booking studio time, using it on gas that I drive to meet my guests, buying the desserts, and to keep improving the overall quality of the show just in general. I want to thank everyone for checking out my show. It's been a lot of hard work and a lot of fun getting back into the groove and knocking some of the rust off. It was definitely rusty and I'm probably a little hard on myself, but yeah, just again, knocking rust off for sure. It took a little longer than I originally had hoped, but this episode will propel me above a thousand total streams. I believe it, I'm at like nine, 966 right now. I know it's premature, but again, thanks to everyone who supported the show to help me reach this small milestone. From all of my guests, especially the godfather of the podcast, Bash Williams, I'm very appreciative of you all for allowing my listeners and I to have a peek behind your personal curtain. For obvious reasons, I shut down production once it became clear that the lockdown was unavoidable, I know most shows decided to continue on and handle a lot of their guests by using Zoom or Skype. 
And while I did consider it, I ultimately uh, decided that the whole point of cake and conversation was to share a favorite and meaningful dessert with my guest and get to engage with them on a more personal eye to eye level. Speaking of being personal, the show was founded on the fact that on November 9th, 2019, I had my last alcoholic drink during my hiatus from recording episodes, specifically on March 14th, which was exactly 18 weeks to the day, I had a drink, uh, whiskey with Sprite to be exact. I'm not going to make any excuses or have any justifications. Since that day, I limit myself to beer and wine, except for the occasional tequila shot with my girlfriend. Continuing with being 100% transparent with you all, I don't have the same craving for booze that I did before. On most days when I decide to drink, beer nor wine even sound appealing. And trust me, I'm, I'm done with vodka. <laughs> that was my old mistress and yeah, no, no craving for vodka at all. It almost gives me heartburn thinking about it. I'm not beating myself up or putting pressure on myself because that approach just ensures failure. You know, if I'm hanging out with some friends and I have a six pack of beer, I'm not getting wild. I might just drink two or three of them anyway. And I know I'm going to eventually stop again anyway. If 18 weeks was the, the last record, I can go for 19 weeks, no problem. And I know that's it's going to happen soon. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones that I want to stop drinking again just to get back in better shape, really. And I'm sure everyone can relate in some way with the daily battle of trying to improve as a person. That's what we're all trying to do is just be better brick by brick while we build our house. The guest I have for you all is a multi-talented man that I've known since we were in the eighth grade when he moved to my hometown. I met him as he was this new white kid in school that could just wreck everybody on the basketball court. And it was one of those things you kind of had to see to believe. And once we all saw it, it was insane. He was right off the bat, one of the best basketball players that we had on the team, if not the best that we had on the team. Uh, his name's Garrett Brown. He also goes by Track Sounds. He's a music producer. He's done tour managing. He's been a DJ at festivals that you're going to hear about. And he's even a, a real estate agent on the side. The dude is the epitome of Houston hustle. And while he's still young and establishing himself, he's already more accomplished than he would have ever dreamt as a kid. If he had went back and told 14-year-old Garrett what all he's already done, the kid wouldn't have believed him. He's done work with Wiz Khalifa, Kendrick Lamar, ASAP Rocky, and even his childhood heroes, Chameleon Air and Zero. As a matter of fact, because I love this show and I love giving you guys special bonus content, at the end of the episode, I have a track from Zero that Garrett himself produced. So make sure you stay tuned for that. His favorite dessert is Tres Leches. And for the first time in the short history of Cake and Conversation, I got a professional baker to custom make this dessert, and it turned out fucking perfect. Daniela Barrera was kind enough to donate a full baking pan of Tres Leches for us. I mean, it, it fed me, Garrett. I was able to give a slice, a huge slice, to my girlfriend to take home. And then my grandma and I wrecked the rest of that thing. <laughs> it didn't stand a chance. It was amazing. I'm not a picky eater, and this might be biased, but I mean, damn, it was one of my favorite desserts. 
and I'll definitely be using her again. Uh, honestly, I plan on having her as a guest because I still need to get a baker or a chef on as a guest. So you'll hear more from Miss Barrera soon. Right now, you can find her at Crave Cupcakes in Lake Jackson down in Brazoria County. These opening segments always run a little longer than I plan. I know the show is about the guests and my combo with Garrett goes almost an hour. So I'll go ahead and get into the feature segments for you guys. Make sure, and again, stick around to the end of the show to hear one of the tracks that Garrett made for Zero. One of the many tracks that he's already made for him. But enjoy. Trish Chase in the past, um, since I've gotten closer to Houston maybe, I've just had more, more types from different restaurants and... I don't know. It's one of those ones that now I just feel like it's almost like home, like it's some very Houston stuff to me. So yeah, I don't know. I love it though. You'd be the taquerias all the time. Maybe so. Tex Mex pie. Maybe so. We got two taco trucks right out front of the studio. Yeah. They don't have tres leches, but it's fire. Oh, street tacos. Mm-hmm. It's hard to even find street tacos in the suburbs that do it right. You got to mm-hmm. be in the city to get a good corn tortilla, Absolutely. onion, cilantro, lime, some hot sauce. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, we're in Houston now where you, you've said you lived the last seven, eight years. Uh, when I met you, I was in eighth grade. I think you were seventh grade, a year below. Uh, you had just moved to Angleton. Uh, what had brought you? What caused the family to move when you were younger? Um, we just wanted to change the pace. We were living in uh, – we moved around quite a bit because I came from uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Went to, well, went to Lake Charles, Louisiana. Then we moved to League City. And League City wasn't necessarily for us. And so then we went to we a little slower pace, but still – like good size, you know, good size area, nothing too, too small. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up in Angleton. My parents kind of, I remember they were like looking around a lot. Like I remember we went to a lot of different places to figure out where we, where they wanted to go. And Angleton just, I remember they always liked Angleton a lot. Yeah. Was it, did he do like refinery work or plant work? He, yeah, he, he worked for Shell. Um, so so that Lake Charles and then Lake City, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. either casinos or. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. He worked for Shell, so and my mom was a school teacher. So, okay. um, like, so they got, got a family over there in Louisiana. Yeah, uh, all my parents are um, they're in they're in town. They live in Sugarland now, but uh, a lot of my my uncles and cousins and stuff like that still they're in Louisiana. Yeah, so we still go down quite a bit. Me and my dad do. Yeah, you always got to visit and keep up with family when you can. Yeah. This is Louisiana. That's, yeah. that's a party every time you go. <laughs> every time you go, gas station at three in the morning and get a liquor bottle. So oh yeah, it's amazing. Texas is a probably loosen up. I know um, with this to-go drinks now, as a bartender, I found out they're probably going to keep that rule going. For restaurants, you'll be able to come get drinks to-go. Nice. So loosening up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so one of the first things that when I heard about you uh, was basketball. It was like, who's this new white guy that's killing everybody <laughs> in basketball? Nobody really believe it. And come to find out, um, you're obviously really good. Was that always something growing up? Like, was that your first sport? main love like parents got you in the basketball yeah um i always loved basketball for sure um i tried football wasn't as good at it i didn't like being outside didn't like getting hit until i get hit no i hate getting hit so um but yeah basketball was always one of my loves i just always really dedicated a lot of time to it thought i was i could go to the nba then i was about 15 16 i was kind of realized all right i can go play college but i'm probably not gonna go to the nba but that's about the same time that you know i started doing a little more music and stuff like that too. So 
But basketball has always been one of my first loves, yeah. for sure. When did you realize you were better than average, even at a young age? Like, oh, I think I got something going here. I think I was always better than a lot of people in basketball. I don't know why. You said I was just natural. I was just natural, better. And I was always a bigger kid, too. Like, I was just a little bit bigger. And I was athletic. I wasn't the fastest kid or anything. But um, I was always – I think I just practiced a lot of basketball. Um, my older brother played a lot of basketball, so that probably made me try even harder. So I was always just a, just – a little bit better basketball. Yeah. Well, being the younger brother, you're trying to keep up too. I think that helped a lot too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's why my younger brother, he's got more natural ability at baseball than I do even, but he always had to play with my age group. So when he had to play his own age group, he whooped their ass. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I like practice and stuff. So, you know, I'm sure two are playing against each other and oh, yeah. throw it back and forth and stuff. And it's like, you know, if you're the better one, the, the, the one that's younger or something has to like really pick up the slack to try to compete sometimes. Yeah, you just got to take your list. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Sure. Like you're going one-on-one and it's like psh, the younger one's going to get, get slaughtered at first until they finally gets that ability or gets that, you know, gets that gross version. Yeah. So um, you're talking about with music that started around 15, 16 years old, what, freshman year in high school? Yeah, yeah probably around then. Yeah. So did it start off like writing lyrics or trying to rap yourself or was it always the production side? Like I want to create beats. It was always production. Uh, I never wanted to be a rapper. Uh, we made like random joke CDs and stuff like that, but it was always not the reason I made the CDs because I wanted to showcase my production really. Uh, Cause I made all the beats on them. So I always wanted to be a producer. I always like would listen to songs and I wouldn't analyze the lyrics. I would analyze the beats. I remember that like, you know, I was 13 years old, like, hearing Timbaland beats and being like, how like, how the hell does he do that? Like, how do you even put stuff together to make a, a, a beat like that? Like, what is going on? And so I always was curious about that for sure. I don't know what, my dad played guitar and stuff, so maybe that kind of influenced me to see the instrument side of stuff. But yeah, I never wanted to be a rapper. I can't sing for shit. Either, so <laughs> yeah. that is a bad, I'd love to be a singer, but I can't sing. So right. No, yeah, that's all, most that. of us. Uh, the one song I remember, one of your joke uh, mixtapes, was the That Baby Don't Look Like Me song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still sing that shit from time to time. When yeah. I see a friend is having a baby, I'm like, not me. <laughs> Shoot yeah. blanks or what? But yeah, that was more just us goofing around and like yeah. doing high school parties. And like I had a studio in my room, so we'd get, you know, we'd, oh, yeah, like, we'd you know, t- hang out on the weekends and go in there and just record and like make random songs or something like yeah. that. So it kind of was a, it was a fun time to, Try to, we ended up so we sold 500 copies in high school too. And we ended up paying for our prom stuff off of that CD. Like, probably it. felt badass. Yeah, 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 or something yeah. like <laughs> it was sold five dollars a piece, sold 500. So, what was that $2,500? Oh, shit, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yep, yep. Oh, shit. And, cool. and the thing I remember is crazy or not our prom, it was our homecoming. Um, pay for our homecoming because then we only sold them for two days because then. That's when uh, we had we had to get out of school, evacuate for a hurricane. I can't remember which hurricane it even was. Now we've had so many. Whatever two thousand nine hurricane was. So yeah, so that's, that's what ended up happening with that. So, so I said I can't even remember the name of that hurricane. I can't even remember it. It's been it so might long. have been Ike. I think maybe was that the same time. I don't know. I'm not the weatherman. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, hope we don't. Hopefully we don't get some bad ones this year Ooh, too. I know. Okay, so. You were talking about Timbaland earlier as one of your first influences. Did you have any other that come to mind off the top? Uh, or a particular sound did you want? Kanye. I used to like, yeah, when he was first coming up with like the chipmunk sounding records and stuff like that. I used to love that shit. So I used to like love Kanye's stuff. Um, his early stuff was really, really dope. Um, a lot of people, Mike Dean actually, who does all, he does a lot of Kanye's beats now and Travis Scott and just every Beyonce, everybody. He's actually from Angleton. He was one of my big influences. Then I found out he was from Angleton. 
when I was like 20, and I was just mind blown by that. And uh, yeah, grew up on Alexander Court. Really? Mike Dean. How yeah, much older is he than us? He's probably, he's probably just 45, 50. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's from Angleton. He's from Angleton. Angleton, Texas. He'll like multiple times. Like, I've met him a couple times. We've talked about He Every time he kind of remembers me and he. We've, we've talked multiple times. We have mutual friends and stuff. But every time he sees me, he's like, Angleton, what's up? Oh, yeah. Time, yeah, yeah. You so, got that connection with him. For sure. So, yeah. Mike Dean, big influence. And I, it was crazy. I didn't even know it. He's from Angleton, which is, still blows my mind to this oh, day. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. When was, um so probably getting early around like college time, 18, 19, 20 years old, you're doing a lot more with your music, like selling beats off or leasing beats at that point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when did you first get to go on? I know you've got to go on a lot of trips, like go to festivals and tours. When yeah. was your first? Uh, that like took time. Like that took more time. Um, the DJing thing. I used to DJ like small parties and stuff when I was in high school and college, but it was nothing serious. I always wanted to be a producer. I really became a DJ because Maxo ended up just getting so big, and he wasn't expecting it. He didn't have a DJ, and he, I was his engineer and his producer. Um, and so he just was like, hey, you want to be the DJ? And I also the thing was, too, is I could they knew I could handle tour managing, too. So because a lot of times we only had the budget when we first started, we get paid for a show. But we only had enough for him and like one person to travel. And so it's like somebody's going to be the DJ and the tour manager. And so I was one of the few people probably could do all that. And I'm, I'm a good DJ, too. And I've gotten better now because I've been doing that six years. But that <clears throat> we did one show. And then our second show we, was a festival in L.A., Day a day and day and night or day for night. There was one in Houston, same name. Um, and that I'm in LA was seventeen thousand people, and that's when I remember being like, "All right, this stuff." Like I was probably was 24, 25. I was like, "This is crazy!" Like I never expected to be doing something like that. I always thought I was going to be you know, in a studio room like this. Like that just happened just because I networked, and networked school with people. Like he liked me. Uh, he he saw like how valuable I was, and they're like, "Hey, you want to try this?" Learning, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Oh, I had no idea what I was doing, and then, yeah, you know, we've done six tours now. So. How did you come across him? How'd you meet that? A mutual friend. I was, he was my first recording client that actually paid me in Houston. I was like 19 or 20, and he was just coming up. We had a mutual friend through a few different reasons. Um, and yeah, he knew I had a studio and he ended up coming all the time. And I remember the first few times I was like, I'm not too sure. But over time, I was like, man, he's got a cool little style. And I get to tell he worked. He worked his ass off. He he uh, paid a lot of money to be in the studio all the time. Like he, like I said, people, he didn't like, he didn't become a success overnight. Because I saw him like paying just all the time to be in the studio working. So, yeah, I got just lucky on that end. And that's how he got bigger. Just, just kept grinding it out and having faith. He's been at it for about 10 years, too. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's like we were talking about earlier before we started recording that it's just keep putting work out, really. Yep. It's your free time. If you're going to do it for free, if it's like a passionate hobby, you just do it. 100%. And yeah, if you would, that's a good way to look at it. If you do it for free, then you know, like, if you get paid, that's even better. But, like, a lot of people I know that are successful in things they do, they would do it for free and wouldn't care. Like, you money is just, is just a, a, you know, an extra cherry on top. Yeah. Well, it's that reward for actually following your dreams because most people don't. It's hard to do something like that. Oh, I got a full time job, two kids. I don't have the extra time to do this. It's yeah. Like, there's 24 hours in a day. If you can squeeze an hour in a yeah. day doing something. I was going to college, bartending, recording, staying up all night, making beats. And I decided to make beats, you know, so it was like, yeah. so, I mean, so it was the same thing. I completely understand. There's yeah, you were There's doing a lot of a lot of passion to it. You were doing that when we were in Pearland. You were working at Red yeah, Lobster at the thing. time for a couple months. Yep. Same exact thing. Going to U of H, working at Red Lobster, recording some people in my room. That was my first getting started, making some 
beats here and there. That's when I first started meeting some rappers, meeting some artists, things like that. But yeah, the same exact thing. I've been bartending and all that forever. So yeah. I feel I feel the feel the work in. Well, your day job now, a uh, kind of day job, I guess part time is real estate agent too, right? Yeah. So how did you kind of get into that? Uh, it was it, real estate's cool because, uh, like I said, there's a there's there's not a the ceiling's very high on it. Um, it's it's very flexible too, and a lot of it just comes from like the same thing like how I learned tour managing. It's one of those things. It's like a lot of it just comes from connections and knowing people and just having the skill set like and being flexible. So it's like now people that I build relationships with, if they know I you know I can help them in, in different real estate adventures or something too. Because um, I want to be a you know I'm you know. I want to be an investor and things like that. And so that's, that's one of the main reasons I got it is because I wanted to learn like the bigger aspects. I was seeing people make a lot of money investing in real estate. And I was like, I want to learn it. And then once I learned it and realized that being an agent will save you a ton of money just because you got your license, you get paid your own commissions. I'm like, well, let me try to figure this out. And then, yeah, everything is very flexible too. That's why I like, so if I want to take a few months off going on tour, it's cool. I can do it. I don't, you know, I'm an independent contractor. You don't have that boss to answer. Yeah. They don't, you know, they're, it's, it's, with the people I'm with, with my brokerage is, it's totally cool. So they're like, you know, they're not, they like said as independent contractors. I'm not paid on a salary. Or yeah. like that. I get as much work as I want. As you sell, if you sell a house and you get paid from that. Yep, yep. Whose idea was or who like led you towards that? Was it just my you mom. one day? Like, yeah. Mom. I, mean, I like it. Like my mom, like she's ever real estate license and she always was, uh, she always was regrets not keeping it. And then just like over time, I always kind of had an interest in it. Like I had different friends getting into it and different friends that were invested in real estate. Yeah. And it was right around when Katrina happened. Uh, oh, no, not Katrina. Like Harvey. I'm like Harvey. Um, that's when I got my license because we were just doing nothing but being in the house. Um, and so, yeah, I just got online and got my license. So I was like, let me finally do it. Yeah, everything online now is so easy. It's like, it's like, it's you don't have to yeah. go to the brick and Oh my god, that would have been terrible. I hate classroom settings, yeah. so I like, so I was just knocking it out online, just chilling in my house, playing video games, and doing it. Like, yeah, when it's something you want to learn, it makes it easier too. Absolutely, put you in a classroom with something you don't really care about. You're not going to have the like the extra drive. Hundred percent, not at all. Yeah. Plus, you got a boring teacher or something like that. <laughs> yeah, where you just really like, don't want to. Yeah, then you're like, oh, this is double double jeopardy right here. Yeah. Uh, having your mom there to help you out is big. My mom is always telling me, like when I started doing this show, she was like, oh, now this could lead to a journalism degree. And I'm like, no, this is what you do once you get to, <laughs> yeah, they always, they, they're looking out for you or want to, you know, give you different ideas and stuff to for support sure. you. <laughs> so it reminded me of with her. Yeah. They, 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 they would love for you to, to uh, be successful in your creative aspects. Sometimes it's just hard for them to really wrap their head around it too. Right. But then, so they just like, once you have that sense of security on all ends. So like, I get it and I'm all for it too. Cause I mean, they say millionaires have seven forms of income. And so I've been in music a long time and I, I, I see what people make and it's, it's cool. But it's like, I, I remember Kamein there had a quote. He was like, he's cause he's a commander is a financial investor now. And he lives in San Francisco investing like Lyft and all this other stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he said, I saw in music, I saw a bunch of rich people. He's like everywhere else, like in investing and stuff like that. I see wealthy people. He's like, he's like, I'm trying to be wealthy. He's like, I'm taking the, the rich part I got. And I'm about to turn that into wealth. And I was like, I, I always thought that was crazy. Cause I've worked at Quinnier a lot. I've always respected his business things. That's part of the reason why I like to kind of just diversify. Yeah. And I don't want to get, like, I've been doing music so long. Like I don't get bored with it, but you do it 24, seven, 365 or, you know, 10 years plus 
after a while, you're like, all right, cool. I'm going to get a little change of pace for a little bit so I can get back to have that full passion that I really want. So yeah. it was cool to take a few months off. And then once I came back, finding that balance between them was just easy almost. When you get, you feel like you're successful at something, you got to challenge yourself with something else too. You got to have that second hobby. Yeah. Like you said, I don't know, like pick up a guitar or something or try to learn 100%, something different. 100%. Like exactly. You're talking about that. I speak broken Spanish, but man, with this, even, with this quarantine, I wanted to learn Spanish more fluently and learn the guitar <laughs> just to do it. I need to start being about you that instead of talking about it. I found you got uh, you got to set a schedule. Like how I learned the piano, because I before I when I was making first started making beats, I didn't know anything about the piano or anything like that. Like I took a couple lessons, but I quit. And then when I was like twenty twenty one. I was like, right, I need to learn if I really want to take steps in this. And I used to like make myself an hour a day do it, put it on a schedule or like this this day. You know, I'd have it on the wall on like a whiteboard. Like this day, I've got to do an hour. This day I've got to do 30 minutes and then 30 minutes of studying or whatever, you know, it is like, I feel like when you write it down, you hold yourself more accountable and uh, you like force yourself to like figure it out. And you got to be realistic too. Like I want to learn this, 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 and this. And then it's like, nah, let me, let me figure out the one thing that I really want to do. Let me focus on that. Like, I need to learn this. Let me break it down into sections to figure out how I can learn it and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, as I learned real estate, all that stuff too, like this, I was like, let me, take some time to break down the sections of it and really like spend hours on it and, and learn it. So that way it becomes just easier. And you know, now I can intertwine them and don't have to like overthink it pretty much. Cause I took the time to like educate myself on it. It's like discipline, muscle memory almost. You just put the repetition in. So you weren't too intimidated learning the keyboard? Nah, cause I knew I had to do it. It was one of those things like, would I rather like, it's, it took me a while, um, you know, probably a year or two to get like actually proficient in it. But I would have friends that were just amazing at it. We you know went to school for it or something, um, and it was just something I knew I needed to do. And it was like I'm not like if I don't do it now, and then five six years later, I'm gonna be so mad that I didn't just finally learn it. Yeah. Like if I really needed to do it, it's really gonna improve. And it was one of the best things I ever did. Like by far, without a doubt, I tell producers all the time: if you don't learn basic music theory and like basic piano and shit like that. Like you're really doing yourself a disservice. Like it just opens up. Even like one of my friends is not long ago. He's an amazing producer. He does not know anything about keys, scales, or anything. Uh, he's a really good producer. Let me change that. Could, how would that go hand in let me, hand? Let me change. He's a really good producer. He's very talented, creative. He knows how to use programs. That's what it is. There's, it's very easy to make beats now because there's so much technology. Okay. So he's very good with knowing how to do that. But he even texted me a couple days ago. He's like, dude, I finally just learned. Like melodies and shit, duh, duh, duh. like my beats are about to, or like our beats because we make a lot of beats together. So our beats are about to go crazy, and I was, I knew he didn't know it a whole lot. But I was like, man, he really is about to improve a lot because he doesn't know what he was missing. Like he's a really good producer because he knows how to manipulate technology, but once you add the actual musical component to it, oh man, you're 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 light years ahead. That's why I'm I'm a good producer too because I know how to manipulate technology. Like, that's how I got by those years. I wasn't as good of a piano person. All and now I can work. find, yeah, there's so many cheats and stuff. I would say it's cheat, but this is really easy to make beats compared to what it was when I was like just starting out 14, 15. Like now they have a program for everything. Twist a knob. You can go get a sound. You can click online and play something. They have a guitar loop. You can just download it, throw it in your thing, put a couple drums in it. Boom, you got a beat. You know, you can be a really good producer that way. But to take that next step to where you're like, oh, God, these beats are like next level. Got the musical component and then like just the repetition, you know, yeah. Yeah, where you've just done a ton. You know how to make it loud, make it crisp, make it snap, make it like the, the stuff you learn. Now that you just like kind of like naturally like know how to do it. Like it's called mixing and mastering, and to make it like 
the drums hit really hard, make it as loud as other songs are on the radio. You know, sometimes if you listen to your friend's record and they just did it in their house and it's like really quiet, it's real muffled and all that type of stuff. Like that's because they don't know anything about mixing, mastering, or the recording process. And like mixing is like people that's what people go to school for. Yeah. You know what I'm Audio saying? Audio engineers, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, exactly. That's what people go to school for. And that's like I taught myself that just over just doing it for years in YouTube and stuff, but that takes a long time, and so that that those type of things like separate the really good producer. You can be a really good producer just because it's easy now, but to be like one that's amazing, like and gets consistent like work, a name, like yeah. a household name, exactly. or transcend because you got to be a visionary. I mean, it's hard. Obviously, you're making yep. sounds out of nothing. So same thing. Yeah, there's an easier way to take pictures now, but it doesn't mean you're like a professional photographer Photography. or something like that. You know, yeah, anybody can snap a dope picture on their iPhone. <laughs> But, you know, there's people that, like, I have a couple of friends that do this shit, and, like, they'll talk about stuff on Twitter. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I can tell you really know what's, like, they'll complain about some, I don't know, some, I don't know, I don't even know anything about pictures, but they'll complain about something, and you're like, wow, I know you really study photos. Like, I, I can yeah. tell you are a photographer. Like, to complain about that, then, like, it bothers you that the pixel rate isn't the same on Twitter when you upload it and some, you know, degrees or whatever, so. Yeah, like it's the same thing. Like, there's an art to it. Anybody can be a photographer, but anybody can take a picture, but not yeah. everybody can be a photographer. There you go. Yeah, better way to phrase it. Yeah. Exactly. It's exactly. like saying when you're doing the music, anybody can play. It's almost like playing DJ and like add tracks to something on a playlist and change a mood. But then you got to be a producer. You're like cultivating. Yeah, anybody be a beat maker, not everybody can be a producer. There you That's go. That's the one for, for music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat maker, producer. Yeah, there's a lot of beat makers out there, but to be a producer, which is what pays the bills and like gets the placements and stuff. Like there's some beat makers that will, you know, go through the cracks and get some big songs and stuff like that because they make a tight beat. But to like become long ha household names like uh, Mike Dean, Metro Boomin, like anybody like that, they're producers. Like, yeah. They produce the record. Like they may they may not even make the beat sometimes now. They may add some spice, but they know how to put somebody here, move this, do that. Like it's it's a it's a complicated thing. So. What, what one thing I like about or what you hear about like music producers when you know you're like the big big name guys like DJ Khaled it'll be him featuring rappers and he doesn't sing he's just a producer and he's yeah, on the yeah. front saying we the best all the time he don't even make the beat he like, don't even do the beat yeah, anymore he puts it all together yeah I don't think he ever really did the beat he might even so you know if he ends but up appearing he's, he's producing he, it he's producing it like, like even Dr. Dre Dr. Dre makes beats but he'll come in he'll bring a guitar player bass player a couple other key player or something else and then he might do that. His drums are pretty legendary, though. I will say that. And his mixing. That's the thing. And his ear. He just knows how to, like, put where, like, he'll listen. And it's kind of, they'll say, he, he'll, like, point at the guitar player, tell them to start playing. He'll point at the bass player. They'll play under the guitar player, point at the key player. And he'll, like, tell them kind of what to do, maybe. And he doesn't know how to do any of that. But he just, like, he's That's conducting. Sound. Yeah. yeah he's, he just, like, raise the pitch a little there and drop the whatever. And those little subtle things matter a lot. People don't think they do. But, like I said, you can make a tight beat. But to become a world-renowned producer or in any creative thing you want to do is the attention to detail that really makes you like become that person. Like I said, Khaled's got attention to detail and that ear to put stuff together. But he don't even he don't touch a key or anything like that. Nah, absolutely not. He knows. Crazy. Yeah, he, he does not know how to touch a key. Well, once you get enough clout like that, I mean, it works yeah. out. He built. He knows how. He Khaled is a is a hell of a marketer and brander. That's what it is. He built his brand and like. People can say whatever they want, but he knows how to build a brand, and that's half the thing. Because yeah. you see a DJ Khaled song, you have a general idea of what it's going to be about. You know it's going to have big features. You know it's probably going to be some type of summer anthem type. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and that's and he's built his brand like that. And so, like, what's the Garrett Brown uh, brand then? 
Uh, I definitely think the music is what I branded the most. Um, because more people probably call me Track Sounds than they do Garrett. Like, you just know me as Garrett. Oh yeah, yeah you're right. Oh yeah, the, so your company is your Track Sounds production. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably more people call me Track Sounds just because I wanted to brand that in the musical aspect. Um, like, sure. like stage name. Yeah, or, and even like the real estate and the music, I don't merge them together. Like people want people say that. And one of the first things they try to teach in real estate is like. Like, tell everybody you know that you're doing real estate. And it's like, no, I'm not doing that because I feel that they're different brands. And, and like I said, I've built up uh, one brand of something. It's like, you don't hear, I mean, uh, Coke owns Sprite. But you don't hear them advertising together. And they're the same uh, field. You know what I'm saying? So why am I going to advertise something totally different to draw away from my brand I'm building? I'm trying to build a real estate brand. I'm trying to build a, a music brand. So it's like, you know, it's even kind you were talking about earlier with the multiple podcasts. It's like you need different, like each one may be under an umbrella. The umbrella is me, but it's like I'm trying to build different brands within that thing. Yeah. And they may intertwine in parts, but most of the time, no. Like you said, Coke and Sprite may intertwine on who manufactures their stuff, but they're not going to do it on the promote. Like you're not going to see Coke on the Coke Cola page. You're not going to see a Sprite advertisement, yeah. you know, and vice versa. Like that. you're not going to see the Coke polar bear, like playing oh. basketball in a Sprite commercial. Exactly. Like, it's it's not going to happen. Just, and like I said, they're the same company. So that's the same brand. It's like real yeah. estate and music is two totally different things. But I think I've I've spent the most time building my like music brand. And so I think that brand just comes from just a lot of, um, I make a lot of soul music. People know that I, I work with a lot of, I think people think I work with a lot of artists that have good content and have built up their um, fan bases organically over time. So and so they trust music I work. Basically, like I think people trust the music I put out because they've seen me not work with a bunch of like flash in the pan people. Like yeah. people I work with are quality people that have either been doing it a while or they just have. They're just very good artists and they put like really like a lot of work into their craft. Like I worked with a couple like I want to say subpar artists, but people that may necessarily not give it their all or give it all their creative they should. And I, and I probably distance myself quicker from them. Because um, sometimes it's hard to realize that, but I think people trust my brand of what music. If I say I'm a part of something, they probably, you know, have a good sense that it's going to be, you know, I hope jamming. You know, yeah. know what I'm saying? Because I think I've built that up just because I've seen the people I consistently work with, and I've built up with them, and now they're they're even bigger. So people are like, oh well, like he probably called that one. You know? Yeah. So like people in those circles know the track sounds name and has a reputation to it. Yeah. You've also done music, I mean, with household artist names. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk about some of the people you've worked with and kind of where you see yourself going uh, down the road. Cool. Since Garrett and I have been talking long enough to break this down into two segments, I'm just going to do a quick ad break here for you guys. And I really don't have anything in particular to feature yet. So I want to use this quick time to just mention if you know anybody creative who would be interested in being on a show and talking about themselves and promoting whatever content they have. Specifically, I'd love to have a photographer on. I'd love to have a stand-up comedian on. I'd love to have a chef or a baker on, which I might have that kind of lined up. So yeah, I mean, I'm always down to meet new people. If you're in the Houston area, I drive to you. I bring my laptop. I bring my microphone and headphones. I bring the dessert. It's of no cost to you. I've had people ask me, how much does it cost to be on your show? I'm like, I wish I could charge people right now to be on my show, but I do this uh, for the reps 
for the listeners, for the guests, you know, so I know it's fun for a lot of them. It's their first time getting to do something like this, to be recorded. And it's cool. It kind of makes you feel like not a celebrity, but you get to feel special. Like, oh, this is 30 minutes to an hour of me getting to talk about my story. So again, if you guys, if you yourself, the listener, or if you know any friends that you think might be interested, send me a message on social media. You can find me on Facebook. Just search my name, Jay Vite. It's J-A-Y-V-E-I-T. Shoot me a message. I'm always open to meet new people. It's one of my favorite parts of doing this. I always, I mean, I'll have episodes with friends every once in a while, but I, I prefer meeting new people and building a network building a team and putting people in touch with people because that's what this show is all about so again yeah just shoot me a message yeah i had I, last time I had Tres Leches was a little while back. I got strawberry Tres Leches from HEB. They sell them on slight. That shit was fire. So I actually good. wasn't. I wasn't. Even, I wasn't expecting it to be that good, but it was amazing. Yeah, when we were on. Uh, well, we just took a break here for a second. He had to get a couple more bites in on the dessert. So the Tres Leches was good. The girl's name was uh, Danielle Barrera. So I'll do more of a shout out for her and the ads and stuff. But yeah, she killed it. I'm shout definitely out. gonna have to. I like it. Yeah. Uh, before we went to break, though, we were talking about you're talking about some of the musical artists you've worked with. Who are some names that people would know off the top? Um, Wiz Khalifa, ASAP Rocky, uh, Two Chains, Kendrick Lamar. No, oh, so you've done work with all you know some of the top, of the top. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people. I could go on for hours on that. Like a lot of people. Yeah, so you can humble brag a little bit, do a little shout out. He's gonna be proud of what you've done. Yeah, I'm know? proud of him for sure. My f- favorite one probably. Um, probably zero and chameleon there just because I grew up listening to them oh. so much. Yeah, you know, like it may not be as big of a deal as some other people, but like I grew up listening to them, and like that was part of the reason like, I want to make beats for them. Yeah, and like you know, I've worked with people that may have more, you know, followers on Instagram or or Spotify listeners or something, but that was just something that was like my you know teenage me would be so proud of myself if you went back and yeah. told him. They wouldn't care about the ASAP Rockies and all them because they didn't that that wasn't around growing up. Yeah. They would be like, "Dang, you work with zero community? That's crazy." You know, back in your mind, you're thinking you might not like. We want to be successful, and you know you're good, but you still don't think about the fact they're going to be working with these people one day 100%. when you're younger. Yeah, yeah, call them up on the phone. Like you don't think you don't think it's going to get to that level, but yeah, I mean, how did you come across them? Just getting word of mouth out, right? Did some one of his guys like say it was zero? One of his dudes reached out to so you. So zero in specific. Um, I've done a bunch of features over time with people that bought a beat from me, and then probably like paid zero for a feature. Um, and that's actually how I got to him. I did a record for somebody. Um, this dude Jay Young is actually a bigger record. This is one of the biggest records that I've had that I didn't know it was going to get this big. He's got a couple million online. Um, he put zero and Boosie on it. I put it on Instagram one day and just tagged him in zero. This is maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, and he just DM'd me and was like, hey, send me some beats. I'm like, all right, cool. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. McVeigh. Um, uh, yeah, not Sims, but not zero. Super cool. Uh, sent him some beats. We chopped it up. He liked them. You know, we just chopped up about some business, different things like that. Uh, yeah. And then I always like, I make tons of beats and every week I send him some beats. And then, you know, he's recorded, to, as I was saying earlier, some artists got 150, 200 records. And I've probably done, you know, I've probably got 30, 40 records in a row right now. And three of them have came out. And there's probably, well, a lot more, but uh, there's probably, you know, a few more coming out on his 
album soon. Uh, but yeah, it goes back to just make a lot of songs and uh, see which ones stick. Yeah, see which ones stick. You never, I, you know, ones that I may think are the the best one ever. He may not necessarily agree with or didn't fit the tone of the project. But uh, but yeah, just networking people. Camino, I met him because I moved into the studio of his DJ. And his DJ was like, hey, you want to send some beats to Cam? I'm like, of course I do. That was like one of my first ones. So but that was all just networking, meeting people, being cool with people. My, I met somebody through somebody else, and they introduced me to Rick. Shout out to my boy, Rapid Rick, uh, who's Commander's DJ. And then he introduced me. To, it's just all that's how, you know, it's just how a lot of stuff works, yeah. man. Just got to be cool and get out and, like, you know, close mouths don't get fed. So you got to talk to people. Well, you got the product. You, you got the product that backs it up, too. Exactly. It's, it's like black and white in that instance of if it ain't no good they're not going to fuck with it 100 percent, that, that's a big part of it too is you gotta you gotta be gotta have the product because otherwise you know you're kind of just blowing smoke yeah some smoke blowers do okay but the ones that that have the product they're yeah yeah they're bulletproof almost if you're cool and you got a good product yeah, you're gonna have some shake if you stay at it long enough for you sure have options yeah, yeah, yeah if you stay at it long enough that's the thing so after doing this over 10 years for sure at this point what's your least favorite part of the process. I don't like the business side. Like I wish I could just make make music. Hey, here's your here's your song. Awesome. Let's put it out. Great. Let's all make money. Like it's just like the business side sucks to it. And then um I mean I guess it's just, I feel like it's oversaturated, not necessarily in a bad way, because I mean who am I to complain about the internet, you know, making it so easy for everybody to do it. Um, because hell that's why I did it, you know what I'm saying? So I don't I don't I can't complain about that at all. It sounds not bitter one bit. Um, cause it fucking gave me the avenue I have, but, but it uh, is oversaturated, but it is a little oversaturated, but, um, so I, the more, the bigger complaint I would say is I think people don't, don't really study the craft and like understand it. They just try to, everybody wants to be a flash in the pan. They just, they there and get some money out of it. It's like, I wish you would really value it more. I would have no problem sharing the space with you, but I feel like you just don't value the space. Yeah. So, so that's a respect thing. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You put in all this hard work and time to it. You don't want somebody else to come out and have one random thing take off on like SoundCloud. And then yeah. you're like, not nah, bitter. But you're like, no, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, I know now that I've done it so long, like it doesn't bother me because I know that that's going to be the last thing that, that kind of goes for them. Usually like the flash in the pan never works out. Never seems long term. Yeah. People used to be like, oh, let's see if it's going to hit. And all the one hit. There's a couple people. But if you look back, you're like, ah, oh, we didn't really call that one well. Like, we actually had talent. We were just calling it off. But the ones that you could really tell, like, you know, like I said, they're flashing the pan. And then after that, they're struggling to get it. But the ones that grow organically, they may not be as popular as, you know, the biggest artists there. But they, they're they making a lot of money because they have the fan base that really loves them. and Everything they do, they support them and stuff like that. That's harder to achieve than a one-hit wonder is building up a fan base where they, like, you drop something, put anything out – they're going crazy for it and sharing it with their friends, buying every concert ticket, buying all the merch, stuff like that. That's even harder to achieve. So yeah, keep like that local following going. Uh, yeah. I said with a lot of Houston rappers, like the big time guys, don't even necessarily want to. Not that they don't want to go national, but aren't looking to sign some huge crazy record deal and do all this crazy touring. They just are big around here. In Texas, just, you can. Yeah, there's a lot of rappers that make great living just being popular in Texas. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Texas, so we're lucky enough to live in a state that's big enough and has a market that. You can be famous in Texas and, like I said, have an amazing life, like just being a rapper in Texas. You don't even got like, to worry about other states. Say, yeah, it helps, but there's quite a few that, that I can name that, you know, they, they might want to be bigger nationally, but they do fine just in Texas alone, too, so they're not really that worried about it anyway. Yeah. So, 
sometimes you get into more of the bad business side of it or the politics when you start dealing with some of that stuff anyway, and then yeah. you don't want to deal with that. Ace Bridge is up thin too, and just all types of stuff. So it's all personal stuff. Like, you know, I mean, someone like Zero probably would say himself that he hasn't, uh, like, worried about. He's just been himself, and whatever takes off, takes off, and is that he's not going to go reaching New York or something like that. Like, you know, I'm, he's a legend all around, but. He's like in the South. He's he's a super legend. So, yeah. You know, and it's just kind of like how it is. He doesn't. He don't give a shit. And you got other people that are like dying to be international, and they're just like spreading themselves thin. They don't understand that they might get focused on a pocket and you know fit in more. Talk about right. niches bring riches. Yeah, I'm not never heard of that. that in real estate all the time. Niches bring riches. Bring riches. Yeah, like if you're doing real estate, if you do condos, you do condos or something like that. I don't. I I mean, I believe in the niches part. So. I mean, I don't necessarily have a niche in anything I do, but uh, I, I understand that. You like to wear multiple hats, though. For sure. That's what I've realized. Doing this show with a lot of creative people, uh, a lot of a lot of them the same way. They do different things. Like somebody's doing the music, and he's also got to book himself, and you know, you got to wear multiple hats. Or somebody's like 100%. a director for movies, but he also does like video editing. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I was just going to ask you earlier. Matter of fact, you were talking about different things. You ever look into like video editing or? Yeah, I like just shooting music videos. Nah, I let I let other people handle that. I'm not a good visual person. I'm more of an audio, audio person. Okay. Um, I've thought about it a couple times, but then I was like, man, I got so much to learn in music production. Still, I can't halt this and then go try to learn video. Like, there's people that are way better at video, so I'm just gonna let them yeah. handle it. You know, I've thought about it a couple times, but I'm an audio dude for sure. So I'm like, I'll let other people handle that. I need to keep focusing on the audio part, the music part. And um, so with uh, track sounds, would you ever see, like, if somebody came to you, like a big label or something, and just wanted to buy it out, would you ever see that being an option where you'd be interested in it or you want to keep I'm, it separate? I'm a businessman, so if we can bring it up and talk numbers, then yeah, yeah. Anything, anything works so for that'd me. That'd be one of the goals is to build a brand and then yeah. get signed or... Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I'm a businessman, so I'm always willing to talk numbers on anything. If the numbers don't work, they don't work, but I love to love to hear them, so yeah. possibly, like... I wouldn't. I, I like having my own freedom and doing whatever I want. But like I said, if somebody came with me with a good enough offer, then yeah, let's let's talk. So, so I guess the way I, you definitely know more about the music industry. So, like, say somebody's putting an album together, you got to reach out to producers, and you can have more than one producers on the album. So, I guess you don't even need like record label anymore either. I'm trying to think how the whole process goes goes again. Like, you want to put an album out, you find rappers for each song. Yeah, like, yeah. say you want to do your own. Yeah, I've done that actually a couple of times, and you don't—you definitely don't need a label. Labels now are more <clears throat> um, marketing. They have the connections. That's really where it comes down. They have the connections. Getting you booked at different places. Yeah, getting you on playlists. Getting you, yeah, booked different places. Getting you on playlists. Getting you on commercials. Getting you on TV shows. Getting you on all that extra stuff. Like people, you know, and you people labels get you spots on the radio. People pay to get played on the radio. Like yeah. it's not like people have been shocked recently by people coming out saying that, but that's not. Like people have known that you pay to play. Like, re- like a song doesn't go number one because uh, I mean a lot of times it's a popular song, but it's also because it's the most spun song. And the reason radios spin songs is because you know they put marketing budgets in. They you know yeah, everybody knows that. It's, it's been a pay to play system for a long time. Not necessarily paying off DJs, but the more money you put into a marketing thing, the higher records going to go. Yeah, and it's going off the ass. And if it's a good yeah, and if it's a good song, then it's going to do even better. So, um, so yeah, like I said, I, I would I would be willing to talk at any point, and uh, you could put out a project with any label. It's just really what they're offering you. If they have enough connections, and you feel like you're not giving up too much control, 
I have some friends that have signed to record labels and been happy, some of them that are not. Some people that are independent that love it. Some people that are independent that hate it. Want to find a deal? Yeah, but it's also but you really need to have um, you need to build your brand before you even branch to labels. Like on Shark Tank, if people watch yeah. Shark Tank, it's like they're like, "Hey, you gotta have to show us thing." It's the same thing with labels. Like they want to see proof that even if you're really talented, every once in a while you'll have somebody that's just so talented they don't care that I've fallen. That's such a like same with Shark Tank. I said Shark Tank, they'll have a product that may be. That we have to invest in this, even if it doesn't have sales. But most of the time, it's like we want to see proof that it's going to sell. It's Where's the same the numbers thing. at? And if you ain't got numbers, then they're not going to want to uh, sign you. The same Maxo. Maxo didn't sign until he had numbers to prove and could um, like get the deal he wanted. If you don't have any leverage, you're going to get a terrible record deal. But if you got leverage, you're like, hey, like I got other labels that want me. I already show that I'm popping. Like y'all give me a good deal. And they're like, okay, cool. Like here's your no, nah, I don't like it. Y'all do all right, well, you got some like you have more bargaining room, but if you're not popping at all, then you don't have any bargain. They don't care. They're like, who are you? Well, once you get to that point too, that's when you're dealing with your own, like hiring your own manager and stuff like For that. For sure, yeah, at that point. Tour management. So I mean that's where you're calling and like booking venues and stuff like that or what? No, he is he is a uh, uh, agent, like tour agents that do all that. I pretty much am just uh well now that he's signed with these are the Rock Nations, so and now we have like I just DJ. He has an official tour manager, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that that's dude, there. he does J. Right. Cole. It's saying J. Cole's tour manager does Maxo's tour manager. Now, um, so but before, and I mean, still, like when we do little one-offs or something, it's like, I got to make sure I get the travel. Um, got to make sure, like, you know, we're up at the venue in time, make sure there's sound check done, make sure Maxo's is good in general. Got, you know, his ride, like food to eat that they provided, all that type of stuff. You know, most of the time they pay up front to the agents. They handle that. So I don't really have to go like, hey, before that, I used to like, hey, like, where's the money? Like, we used to do that 100%. Like, before we had ages, it used to be like, hey, we're, like, we're not going on stage to get the money. And there's been, yeah, there's been plenty of times people try to step us some money, 100%. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny to think about. But now it's just way more professional. He's gotten that point. But there's, like, the stories you hear about, like, janky promoters and stuff like that. Like, that's true definitely thing. true. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, like, there's been times where we, like, had to get pretty stern with a promoter to get yeah. our money on the back end. So, but we, he went, he didn't go on stage to that though. So it's like, we've learned. You got to pay to play. Like you were saying earlier. Yeah, exactly. So, so I know we've talked earlier, you did um, like festivals and stuff, DJing, you got to work with a lot of artists, especially ones like you loved growing up. Uh, overall though, your proudest accomplishment so far, like one accomplishment could be a moment, mm. a, a particular song. Like you just stand by that bit, the song for some reason. Damn. Mm. I mean, the Zero Chameleon things still ring a lot with me because I know my brother liked them a lot. But my favorite moment probably ever is probably me and this dude Starlito, who's a pretty popular rap, independent rapper. Um, he used to be he used to be signed to Lil Wayne, but uh, he hates that part too. So if he hears <laughs> this, he's like, "Why would you mention that?" <laughs> That's my boy. Though. Um, but uh, we put out an album together. And I did all the beats. I helped like executive produce it like a lot of big rappers are on it he's like a big rapper himself it was on the it went on the billboard charts it was my highest charting no my second highest charting album ever and i did like i said it was just probably my proudest moment because it was one of those things i always had envisioned that i would help a rapper or some an artist like build a project that gets a lot of notoriety and i do like damn near like how dr john i made the beats though that's different not no offense obviously dr dre uh, yeah, of course. Uh, but but it's like I actually made these beats. Like you know, I'm like I didn't go buy a piano player and stuff like that. Like I was doing everything. So the full album, yeah, full. Like I had, I had co-producers on a couple of them yeah. with me and stuff. Like I brought my friends in to co-produce with me, 
and he brought his like he's friends with Young Dolph and Kevin Gates and like all that. They all came and contributed. It was like it was just cool to see it get that big. And to this day, every time I still have people all the time like tell me like how that was one of their favorite projects or whatever. That was like four years ago. Um, so I just, I, I, that was by far my biggest record that I, our biggest album that I helped contribute that most to, you know, I want to keep growing and get bigger, but um, I had a real, I have a real close relationship with Starlito. So it was just cool to see um, everything work out. And I know he, you know, I know that probably was one of his favorite projects too. So yeah. that's probably my favorite project I've been a part of, but there's a lot. So. So that's one of your calling cards then when you're promoting your own work or like, Hey, I've done this. Like you got to list your accolades. A lot of people know me because of that too. A lot of people know me because of the work I've done with Starlito, probably more than Maxo and Starlito are probably my two most. Like people know me because of other work, but they've helped me build my brand yeah. and I intertwine my brand with their brand because I've done so much good work with both of them. Yeah, you so it's like, yeah, and so it's like people think of Starlito. People think of me, they think of Starlito and Maxo. People think of Starlito, they think of me. You know, people, you know the same things. Associated like, that. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, I'm proud of that just because I, you know, I feel like I, I just helped. Uh, I definitely didn't make them at all, but it was more just like I got to contribute to something that they, yeah, y'all made each other for nothing. Yeah, yeah, y'all make each other to because I saw them when they weren't weren't anywhere as big as they are now, and now they're both you know pretty big uh, superstars. So. You still got to deal with a lot of people hitting you up, like, "Hey, man, let me be on a, let me be on a track, or let me come." Da da da. I got, I got bars. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. all the time, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's got the worst, the bigger you. How get. do you, uh, how do you massage that? Oh, That's what I, I don't, I don't answer a lot of them. Yeah, I don't respond to a lot of them for sure. Um, you know, or you know, if they're like, you know, I give everybody the same response too. So a lot of time too, like, "Hey, I have you know this. You can get beats on. We can talk about this." To the dugs, you got to invest in yourself. Or I spent a lot of money when I was first coming. I didn't get a lot of this shit for free. No, nope. I like I met Devin the dudes because I paid to get a record mix by his engineer, and then I just told his engineer I had beats. You know, and I just I got my way. And that's how I got in the studio because I paid that engineer one time. You know, a few hundred bucks. I can't even remember what I paid. Him. Shout out to my boy Stevo. Uh, yeah, and then he gets like over time. I ended up not having a studio for a little bit. And then they had a spot over here, and he brought me over here. And you know, it's just, I met Scarface through him. That was all because I paid to get something mixed one time. I invested myself. You know what I'm saying? I've done that a bunch of times. I've spent a lot of money too. And that's all you your know, equipment. Everything, hundred yeah. percent. There's so much money I've spent on stuff, and it's you know, it's part of investing in yourself is is a big part of it. So yep. don't, don't be scared to do that. Man, I'm I'm paying for cakes right now. <laughs> I can't wait hey, for the day. The cake's fire, man. The cake is fire. I can't though. wait for the day when people walk up like, "Hey, my cake on here. Do this dessert. Do that dessert." Hey, it comes, bro. But, Trust yeah, me. Yeah, in the beginning, you got to make it. You know, man, I've done so much free work until I finally could get paid for it. Yeah, like, so many, so many free beats. Not even funny. Free studio time. Spending my hours like not getting paid a dollar, and the songs to get ten plays because I don't even want to. They don't even want to put five hundred dollars to shoot a video after I put thousands of dollars worth of work that I didn't charge them for like type of shit making so, the song yeah Dang. so after making the project like man I, I could go into that for hours well, I don't even know that it's easier to do music videos right now but I feel like it is I'm starting to see a lot more local people have really good setup to do it's like, easier to get a doing camera them. but the editing man whew. Editing in the eye—it goes back to the photographer thing, man. Anybody yeah. can be, anybody can get a good camera, but anybody can control a drone. Trust everybody. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, I, you see it instantly. Even like not long ago, I was showing Zero some some video dudes I know, and uh, you know they're maybe more coming up, and I and I knew they were dope, but I was like, let me just send them, and he might like them. We ended up, he was like, they're cool, but you know they're just they don't have that that eye or that steady part. There's this, he could tell they're not at that level yet. People can tell that, you know, yeah. they, he sees videos all the time. And so it's like, it's more of like, 
you need to keep focusing on your craft. It's nothing. Everybody was at that point. So you can't get discouraged by it, but you can't also think, you know, like you're the greatest or your shit doesn't stink or something like that. You always got to be able to realize like, that's what's cool about the creative stuff is you can always get better. Yeah. Like you can't get worse unless you just stop. <laughs> you really can't. Like, like even podcasts, like you, you can't get worse from here if you keep going. Yeah. You can't get worse from here. It's impossible. If you keep doing them, it's impossible to get where all you can do is get better. Get better. Because you, you don't know in the little. It's all you can do is get better just because it just, most of this stuff just takes time doing it. Like I've, I'm good at making beats because I've made 5,000 beats. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I've, I've made a lot of bad beats and then that's part of the learning process. And that's anything creative that you do, you know, like a little mundane job. Like, yeah, you can probably learn that in a few hours, but and then never really go higher with it. But something creative or something that you really want to do, like you can always get better with it and find ways as long as you just keep doing it. Yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah, that's what I like about the creative side because there's a lot of psychology that goes into it. You know, creative people in general, our brains just work differently 100%. than somebody who, I don't want to knock anything, like somebody who's like doing taxes on or whatever. Like I can't yeah. do math. I'm not an engineer. Or I'm not going to build a house. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, sure. That, that brain works a whole different way. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. You can get creative in those aspects, but it's also like you could also, because I mean, you could be, you could be the flyest CPA on YouTube that makes a bunch of money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. Like, like, now creative that, you know what I'm saying? Like, but there's also a lot of people that are like, I'm cool with where I'm out. going to do these like numbers and be cool. Like I so said, anybody being creative doesn't really matter what field you're in. Is more of just like using everything you can to your best of your ability. Or are you just going to be complacent and cool with what you got? Like, I mean, I guess with YouTube, anything can go. Can there's a market for almost anything? Yeah. That's the thing too. Like, you could be the trash man or something, and you could find a way to be the most creative trash man <laughs> ever. And you're probably gonna find a market on YouTube. Like, <laughs> right, right. You know dude. what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing that's wild about it. It's like People you can be viral. complacent, but it's nothing wrong with it. But or you could like figure out a way to embrace it, or you know, uh, we talked about earlier, or spend that time to find another passion of yours that's really your passion and spend those extra hours into, into putting into that. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what's always another interesting thing with creative people. You could talk to them about their passion, but they always have some other hobby. Like how it used to be with you playing basketball. You yeah. know, you always could fall back on basketball. Or like now it's real estate. Yeah. What else? If you're not if you're not trying to sell houses or if you're not in the studio, what are you doing? What do you do for fun? Like, um, all time? like hey, I'm man, I really just chill. I don't do too much. I've even... You know, dealing with the the COVID nineteen situation, I didn't go like to the clubs or anything like that. Anyways, like it's super locked down. Yeah, yeah. So now, like, I'm just going to my house, go to the studio. I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, y'all mean I have to stay inside and make beats and stuff? Awesome. Like, yeah. the only thing I'm upset about is we have our festivals or, or concerts and stuff now, so I can't travel. And it's I love fun. to travel, but other than that, it's like, you know, I like. Uh, just hanging out. I like cooking. Cooking's fun too. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not the best cook, but I'm pretty good. And feel like you get to try different shit. It's in their creative outlet. Exactly. I was almost completely, I almost should have brought that up in the beginning about the whole the pandemic. It's like, what do you do when you lock up a creative person? All you can do is sit there and keep doing content. Guess, yeah, and find ways to release it. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I play video games, stuff like that to give myself breaks, but I paid a lot of people. Me and Zero made the EP he put out during the quarantine. Really? I, all, every beat on that project I made during quarantine. During quarantine. Just, he sent it to him. He recorded. I sent him. I remember he texted me one day. Like, I, I sent him six beats. He's like, I recorded the four of them. He's like, I'm about to put it out. I'm like, cool. This is like two <laughs> days later, it was coming out. I'm like, that's how stuff. That's the one that's what's crazy. That's how work stuff works in music. I got records way older that still haven't come out that might come out soon. But he felt the time in the moment. He felt the vibe. He had a couple other records that I guess he made from the same time. 
And he was like, cool, put him out in quarantine. Dude. Like, that's so, yeah, we could just get creative. But yeah. you got to find a release, like work out, whatever you can do, and, you know, just to kind of walk outside or something. But, yeah, making a bunch of beats. I was telling, I tell a lot of people now that I've talked to this time period, maybe like the next, next five, ten years, but especially during this lockdown, uh, 50 years, 100 years from now, you're going to look back and it's kind of like a artistic renaissance almost. There's a lot of content. You got some of the, like, some of the best ever writers, artists like painters yeah. you know people making beats everybody's been locked down almost like frustrated you have nothing to do but to create it's going to have its own other style to it you know we might not even get the recognition right away we're so caught in the moment that yeah. you don't always appreciate stuff but i'm telling you like generations from now like our grandkid era people are gonna look back and be like oh they were dealing with this pandemic and crazy political shit and whatever world's on fire but look at some of this art that was produced yeah. by these people that were living in that moment yeah. Uh, I can see it for sure. Yeah. It makes sense, but it's just because it's, and I think people are expressing their creativity differently probably than it's ever been expressed before just because it's a weird time. So people probably have weird yeah. emotions that. Oh, there'll, there'll be a sound created in the next three to five years that yeah. just nobody, we don't have the ear for it yet, but there'll be some new sound and, you know, 50 years from now, whatever will be commonplace or yeah. it's going to be some kind of new writing style or some form of art. Or somebody's like before this it would have never happened there's never been a time in human history where it's been a lockdown like this where you got the whole world all sure. at one stop you know so uh so five more years where do you see yourself doing the same thing really but just at a bigger level i would say just keep uh, growing yeah like i don't plan on you know I'm a, i would love to have a, say like grammy you know multiple grammys platinum plaques everywhere but really as long as i've just a much better and more creative and um, still like passionate as I am about stuff and still keep the passion. And yeah, I just want to kind of grow, you know, maybe, you know, try a couple different, maybe a couple other little things, see if there's anything else I'm interested in or just keep growing the businesses I have now. But yeah, I pretty much would be doing the same things. I can, I, music ain't going nowhere. Real estate isn't going anywhere either. Um, but music definitely like that's, that's for life, so I'll be doing that forever. So yeah. I always think you'll stay in the Houston area as like a home base. Yeah, I would love to go to LA or something like that, but uh, just because all my family's here, so it's like hard to leave. I'm real family oriented, but um, you never know. Like I've been, there's been times where I've stayed in LA for a few months at a time, come back, stay in LA for a few months, come back. Um, you can always rent a spot out. Yeah. yeah, it's not hard, especially you know, it's not hard. Like you know, if I get a sometimes if I get like a decent check come in or something from music, I'll go, you know, run out of place for a couple months and just go to LA or something and put it the rest of my savings, you know, stocks or whatever like that or something. You gravitate more to LA than to New York as far as the hip hop scene. Is that just because the industry is out there overall, like the entertainment industry? Yeah, I just like LA way more than New York. New York's cool. I used to hate New York. I've liked it more. I've been to New York 20 times probably. Uh, I used to hate New York too. It's just too much. It's too crowded. People were too rude to me. <laughs> um, you need the chill, a chill vibe. Yeah, but then as I got, I've gotten there back more and went more with Maxo and a few other people. It just became more, have more relationships and know more people. Um, I like New York more. There's definitely some cool spots, and I, I see why people like it. But LA's my favorite. LA's your second I love LA. Yeah, after yeah. Houston area. Oh yeah, I love LA for sure. It's amazing. So if people want to find some of your music, where are some of the outlets? Or what would um, they search like we're on Spotify or something. Uh, you, I so I, not even long ago I made my own playlist uh, with a lot of the records I produced. So you can go into like type in track sounds T R A K K S O U N D S, and a lot of stuff will pop up that I've been involved with. There's tons of records, um, but that will that will probably get you started. Uh, at least of my names in, in the actual credits. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I've done that I didn't get actual credit for, or like 
it just may not go that way. So, but yeah. that's a good start, though. Good new track sounds and uh, into Spotify. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Um, you got social media for the production company. I know you have it just specifically for real estate right now. You have any social media for? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my Instagram is um, tracks. Everything's track sounds. T R A K K S O U N D S. Um, that's my Instagram, my Twitter. That's where I'm most active on. Uh, I got Facebook and stuff too for both of them, but I don't really use use them that much um, here and there. But um, but yeah, Instagram and Twitter is probably the most on the active ones. Okay, so those are my favorite places. Somebody wants to buy a house, or somebody's got some bars and they want to try yeah, to there we go hop on a beat or something. I'm all on board. <laughs> Blow man. his shit up. <laughs> Bug him. It doesn't matter. No. I'm worried. I ain't worried. If you mention this podcast, I'll, I'll definitely pay attention to. You. So a lot of everybody I was saying earlier I won't respond, but if you mention this podcast, then I'll definitely like listen. There's so many local rappers. They'd be like, I can't handle the show yet. I got to make, you know, some of my I got from the beginning, but so many people hit you up, and it's like I, that's why I like to mix it up, like producer, and then I'll go find a photographer. Or something, yeah, yeah, yeah for know? sure. I know. Real quick, we were talking about the, you got photography friends earlier. I'll probably talk to you about that off the air. I'm always trying to network with people. Hey, yeah. you got a photography friend, small business, or they want to promote so and so photography or whatever, but. All right, dude, man, it's been fun. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yep, pleasure. Thanks again to Garrett for taking the time out of his insanely busy schedule to meet up with me for this show. He was cool enough to invite me to his studio, so I got to see his whole setup on how he handles business. It was my first time seeing him in almost a decade, but honestly, it felt like I had just seen him once we linked up. It's like I had just seen him the day before. Super thanks to all of you for pressing play on this episode. I know I got to keep knocking some of the rust off, like I mentioned previously, and I'm stoked to get back into making these shows for myself and for you all. I'm going to keep this segment short. I know this episode's one of my longer ones. I'm fine with that. But I'm going to skip straight ahead to the Garrett Brown produced single with Zero called Let the Top Down. Or if pronounced correctly, it's Let the Top Down. Stay tuned for another episode of Cake and Conversation every single Tuesday. I'm bringing them back roughly 8 o'clock every Tuesday. Because I don't plan on stopping anytime soon if I can help it. Stay safe, everyone, and you'll hear from me soon.
to just wear Your hoe gon' be Ain't no more crumb Ooh, it's murder That hoe so clean My cup is full of something bubbly And we on the boulevard acting ugly I'ma act one, two I'ma act just like a nigga do I'ma act one, two I'ma act just like a nigga do I'm gonna let the top down And I'm gonna let the top down We gonna let the top down uh, I swear to God I'm the realest nigga you ever seen Me against the world, I promise I am the better team I ain't gonna never pass my throne, I'm the forever king Thinking something different, you must don't know what forever means I'm Luther-like, that's why I call myself Vandross Coronavirus or not, you best to keep your hands off If I ever did fall off, you know I shook back That's why I'm blessed, Jesus be hanging where the crooks at I came in the game and I ain't never looked back Probably can't cook no food, but I can cook crack This ain't a library, but this where the book's at To read these is gonna cost you more than a couple bands Never mind, but they gotta go through a couple hands They say I'm the man, I guess it ain't nothing other than One deep entertainment, that ain't me, that's weak Why would I ever pay for the pussy, my G, that's free? I'ma act one, two I'ma act just like a nigga do I'ma act one, two I'ma act just like a nigga do Robert L. Day.